Welcome back to the Digging the Grits podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Shaw. I am so excited about my guest today, but really quick, some housekeeping. Digging the Grits is now on Patreon. And I don't mean that in a, hey, buy me a coffee kind of way. It's a much larger experience than just this podcast or even YouTube. We're talking ad-free extended videos. The full library of Digging the Greats videos are on there. Monthly curated playlists, exclusive DJ live streams with me, session file downloads, bonus tutorial videos, and a community of people who love music. It is seriously so incredible. The videos are better. We get to share more music with each other, and I get to connect with you directly. It's been incredible so far. I published a YouTube video about it last week, but basically this podcast and YouTube are roughly staying about the same, but I'm able to give you so much more on Patreon. It's not a buy me a coffee. It's the main thing. I could not be more excited about this next phase of Digging the Greats. Now, a year ago, I published a video breaking down the classic Christmas song, This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. I also announced the plan to make this song go number one by having people stream a ridiculously long playlist that was just 1,200 instances of This Christmas. Well, one thing led to another, and I got in contact with Donnie's daughter, Layla Hathaway. Now, Layla Hathaway is one of my favorite vocalists, not only because she has an incredible voice, but because she's a great musician. She's released many solo albums, won five Grammys, and collaborated with everyone from Robert Glasper to Joe Sample, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, Anderson Peck, Marcus Miller, and so many more. She's also famous for her ability to sing chords. Yes, for real, look it up, it's crazy. Right, and as her last name suggests, the legendary Donny Hathaway is her father. I just released a video following up on our Christmas heist from last year and announcing our new plan to make this Christmas go number one. But right now, I'm bringing you our full conversation. We talk about not only that song and her father, but her career, her albums and collaborations, how she approaches music, and how she does that chord singing thing. This was so much fun. Let's just get right into it. Here's my conversation with Layla Hathaway. Layla Hathaway, thank you so much for joining me and for for talking to me today thank you for having me i appreciate it um yeah well i got a lot to talk to you about let's start with this christmas last year you released a new version of is an absolute classic and you released a new version and we talked about it uh, briefly um uh, like a year ago but can you tell me where that came from because i know it's previously uh unfound recordings um mm. so can you tell me the story of how that how that came about so you know when you used to record records for a label they would take all the records because they've paid for them and put them in a vault right yeah so this is how um tupac died 25 years ago or 30 years ago and has a new single out yes every yeah. six months <laughs> so they hold on to this stuff uh yeah. All the while, generally telling the family, we have, we don't know what's in the vault. We don't know what's in there. But they found this recording, this unheard recording of this Christmas, which might have been a demo, might have been a sound check, might have been my dad working it out. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly which day it's recorded. The way I feel, it feels like it's recorded maybe like a couple of days before because I hear him working the vocal out yeah yeah I can, I can sense that that's what's happening yeah so um 
they said, hey, we have something that we hadn't heard before. Would you like to hear it? And I said, hell yeah. yeah. Don't, <laughs> would you, yeah, send it to me. Yeah. And it was so amazing because each of these new recordings feels like, um, like a new conversation with my dad. Yeah. You know, every time I get to hear something that's even the slightest bit different. Yeah. It's like a new conversation, a new chance to get to hear him again. And so when I heard that version, it was a little bit slower. The instrumentation was slightly different. Yeah. You know, um, he's not playing a world, sir. It just felt like it felt like it was waiting. It was yeah. waiting for me to hear it. Yeah. And so I thought this is something I can really try to finish or put my vocal on or really try to um, approximate as though we're in the same room. Yeah. And I had a conversation with Natalie Cole, like, I don't know, when I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And I said, you know, I don't know if I could do ever what you did with your dad is so beautiful, but it's just so spooky to me. Yeah. Yeah. She said, you should, you should think about it. She said, you should pick at least one song and you should do it. Hmm. And that just kept ringing true to me. And so, and so we did it. Yeah. That's amazing. I love it too, because I mean, now, especially in the, in the last year, like AI stuff has gone crazy. And so they can do all kinds of like, they just released the, the, the last Beatles song that was like a demo from John. And then they had recorded parts in the nineties and they like sort of patched it all together, but this is not that at all. This is like one of his original recordings that then you are getting to be part of. Um, right. and yeah, I, I love that. It's also not, um, just the same recording and that you're right. on it because the, yeah. it does feel different. Like the, the, it's a little slower. It's got a little swing to it. I love it. It's, it's like a, a great complimentary version of the song to, the, to the classic that everyone knows. So, yeah. yeah, I had so much fear, like trying to figure out how to sing it, how to record it, if yeah. I should really even do it. Yeah. Um, even the days leading up to it and then the moments leading up to it, I did it with a really good friend of mine named Phil Boudreaux who helped me put it together and got it all set up for me and created the environment for me. And it was just one of those things like I had been so not with the whole situation for so long. Yeah. And then this presented itself in such a good way that I was able to I really wanted it to feel like we were in the same room. I really wanted that for myself yeah. as much as I wanted it for the people. Yeah. And the way I've heard you, and maybe you can speak to this, but the way I've heard you talk about your father, it's very much uh, sort of a spiritual experience. Like you feel him with you at times while you're singing. Um, Absolutely. And, and you feel that with, with this, I assume as well, this recording. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because he's only one voice on that record. Hmm. And all the rest of them are me. Yeah. But there's moments where it's hard to tell. Yeah. Which of us is singing in a place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah, this is uh, skipping ahead to uh, what I love about your voice. Uh, you have just an insane range um, because you, you can sing very high stuff, but your low register in particular, uh, I love it's so rich. And also uh, I feel like for a lot of vocalists, 
it tends to be like whatever, whoever can sing highest is, you know, more impressive or whatever, but I'm exactly the opposite. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 let's, let's go. Like, that's where the, it's this untapped reservoir of feeling. So with your low register, and then again, on this song, you blending in there with your father, that's, that's a, an amazing thing. Thank you. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. I always wished I had the highs though. I wish I could just, I really well, always saw the girls that could do that. And I always wanted to do that. But I realized I'm in the basement. It's okay. No, you, you, you can go high and maybe not as high as, as everybody else, but, or, or someone else. But uh, when you do go high, then I feel like it means more. You know what I mean? Because you're, because you're, again, I just, I am such a huge fan. I love your voice. Uh, Thank you. And I feel like you are, and I want to get into more of this in a minute, but I feel like you just are a master of your instrument. Hearing you on this with your father is amazing. And then again, like I said, the the low register in there, hearing your guys' voice, it's not only because you are his daughter, but then also your own vocal ability and your own strengths are in there too. Yeah. So I, I love you. it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's me um, trying to describe to a label like what it may mean for people. Yeah, you know, yeah. trying to let 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 people know like it's it's bigger than a record probably for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that they grew up with, and it's 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 really important. Not because yes. it's me, but yeah. it's 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 such a cherished song. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are so many songs. There are a few songs in particular that are huge Christmas songs, right? They yeah. break records and they come back every year. But I would argue, aha, <laughs> that none are as beloved as this Christmas. And I'm fully biased and I'm yeah. good with that. There are a lot of songs that are popular and that everybody loves and that we sing and that we get all, you know, every year. Yeah. But the, when folks love this Christmas, it's a completely different experience. Yeah, it's there's a, a depth to it. So it's it's the quality and not just the quantity. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So last year, what I did is I made a I did a bunch of calculations on Spotify, and I basically made a Spotify playlist called "Literally yes. Just This Christmas." And mm -hmm. uh, according to the math, it was over twelve hundred instances of "Just This Christmas," and I asked people to stream it. Uh, just on, on repeat and just go like everybody do their part and go one time through. Um, and you could have it on that silent. Awesome. That was but, awesome. Oh, it was, it was a ton of fun and getting the response from people. Cause I got a lot of people to actually do it, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, namely me, namely me. You, you did it too. Absolutely. <laughs> We all did it. Absolutely. We did. Shoot. I, lo I love it. Um, so it, it, this Christmas did not go number one last year. However, um, and again, ultimately, I don't want to, you know, undo everything we just said about the depth of the song because yes, this is quality over quantity. Um, but I want to also get the, the, the quantity up, um, because it is such a beloved song. Uh, and so last year, uh, or, excuse me, 2020, it entered Billboard, um, the 2020 season, and it was at number 39. And then it, I don't think it was on the year after that. And then last year, 
after this little heist, and this is not entirely me. I'm not going to take full credit for this, uh, but it it re-entered at 37, so it was slightly higher. So I mm-hmm. feel like there's there's momentum. We move the needle a little bit. So this Absolutely. year, this year the plan is after doing more research on Spotify and the, the idea with Spotify and streaming in particular is to try to get the social aspect of it going. Uh, but after doing research and hearing from people specifically the, the listening on mute that Spotify factors things like that into it yeah. um, and whether or not those are legitimate listens. So the plan this year is do the things that Spotify looks for in the algorithm, which is, all very positive things. So adding this Christmas to your own playlist and then sharing mm-hmm. this Christmas to other people from the app. So this is what I'm going to ask people to do is to add it to a couple of their own playlists and share it to like five people. And I'm going to do all the math on it. And if everyone, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll crunch all the numbers, whatever the numbers have to be. But yeah, we're going to, we're trying again this year. So absolutely. And every year, every year, yes. And there were there were enough people last year, and I already have people now that are like, "Hey, December's coming up. What's the plan? Are we doing this Christmas?" So I'm very excited about it. Me too. I appreciate it. It's 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 such a beloved song. It's like, you know, for a lot of folks, it doesn't. The season doesn't even start until they hear that record. Yes. And I know for me, in the last maybe 15 years or so. It would start the season, but I would hear every version except daddy's version of it. Yes. And there are so many, like there are so many covers of this Christmas. Yeah. And there are even covers this year using his voice. Oh. Which is, you know. Yeah. God bless everyone. But I, you know, that that's. I feel like I'm in a special lane to be able to do that and people are going to do it and AI is going to do it and the labels are going to do it. And yeah. Sharks see blood in the water and all of that is fine. It just expands the territory of Donny Hathaway. And so in that way, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But there's so many versions of it that I don't even know if people know it's so, it's so canon now in this season that people don't even know that Donny Hathaway recorded that song, wrote yes. it and created that song. Yeah. I'm here to do my part to, to spread the word and make sure people know. And, and, and that the people who know the song, but don't know the story or don't know that it's Donny Hathaway, then know that. Or, you know, if people want an actual, uh, very good musical alternative to a lot of the Christmas music out there. I'm not going to name names, but um, that this Christmas has always been here. I love this Christmas too, on a musical level, chord wise and timing wise is very unusual for, you know, a, a Christmas song. Cause a lot of Christmas stuff is, time wise, much more straightforward or chord wise, mm-hmm. more straightforward, but there's a lot of really interesting uh, unexpected phrases or, and, and it absolutely works. It, it's not jarring at all. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking from the musical end, it's, that, that's why it's my favorite Christmas song. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great piece of music. It's, it's not, it's not a walk in the park. Yeah. And I've heard so many people and musicians massacre it. 
Yes. Even with the time changes at the end, I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a good piece of music that a whole culture is like I identify with that. Yeah. And that to me is the hallmark of really good music. You know, it's not a it's it's a good it's a good richly fabriced piece of music yes. that people that people get and they don't even know why they get it. Yeah. Exactly. Because you know, it's quality. Oh, mm -hmm. let me tell you a little story about the video. Oh, yes, please. The video, um, first of all, we fought really hard to get those little pieces. There's not a whole lot of video of my dad just in the world. Yeah. Um, or photographs, you know, yeah, they, things, come up, things come up. And um, we worked again. That's Phil Boudreau, the same guy that produced the track with me, also did the visuals. Mm. And he's he's great, by the way. You should definitely Definitely check him out. I'll send yeah. you some stuff. He's really one of the most talented people I know. Really, really good guy. Um, put this visual together with my dad and with me. And I'm so proud of what it is. It's so, it's so crazy to watch. Like there's one part where it looks like he's looking at me. Yeah. It's just so crazy and affirming in such a crazy way. Yeah. So we entered it this year for the Grammys oh. or, or we tried to. Yeah. But someone forgot to enter it, so we didn't get into oh. <laughs> it. Is that the is that the window, or is it possible to do it next year? I don't know. I'm still mad about it. All right. Well, next year's Christmas heist will be centered around the video. How about that? Next year, that's right. We'll do it next year. We also entered the record, yeah. but they put it. They labeled it uh, best remix. It's not. It's not what a remix is, but. Correct. <laughs> it's these things, you know, you have to, it's a. Yeah. It's not a remix because you, you haven't heard it. Right. Under it's a, that, it's a new under thing. That, right. It would be like any song with a sample is a remix. No, that's not what that is. It's right. a new, it's a new take. It's stuff you've never heard before. Yeah. But, um, but I was not in control of it. So. All right. Well, yeah. I got my work cut out for me uh, next Christmas as well. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know where to start because I want to talk to you about your own voice and the and the way you let's get into the musical weeds. So I know you grew up in Chicago and you went to Berkeley, yeah. and then now you are Doctor Layla Hathaway. Yes, I am uh, because of uh, Berkeley as well. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank um, you very much. That's I always forget until someone says it. Like when you say Doctor Hathaway, it's just so strange. <laughs> so you went there to, to Berkeley and then out of Berkeley, uh, you have your first album and then you have, you are a five time Grammy winner. If, as long as my number is correct. And yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, the way you said that is like uh Chicago Berkeley Grammy, but it's like Chicago Berkeley. I mean, it was, it was not until eight years ago, you know, I had been 25 years in making yeah. records Yeah, and then, yeah, won some Grammys. What was your first, what was your first Grammy? First Grammy was for, um, a cover of a cover of a cover. It was for it's something, which is a record I recorded first when I was 19 or 20, a record by Brenda Russell and David Foster. Yes. That I re-recorded for my live album that I also re-recorded with Snarky Puppy, which is yes. a different arrangement of it. Yeah. A live arrangement. 
So that Snarky Puppy recording, one element of that you are very famous for, not only for the song and for singing incredibly, but um, your ability to sing chords. Um, so I think I speak for most people when I say, what in the world, how do you do that? That's crazy. I don't even know. It's the thing literally I've been doing or flirting with doing since I was like 13 or 14 years old. Yeah. It's just the thing that my instrument can do. I hear people sort of approximating it. It's not like, I mean, we call it chord singing because sometimes I can manipulate the one, three, five of it or the one, three, five, six of it, you know, yeah, you can but do not, how many notes at a time? Sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes only two. Wow. It's, it's, I cannot really control it. I do not know how to practice it other than mm. doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. So what's funny is to see people explaining what I'm doing on YouTube because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> You're like, oh, um, that's what it was. Okay. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I did go to an ENT and I had a scope and I, I made the chord while the scope was in there. Oh. So I have video of how it's done. Wow. So, you know, your chords kind of move like this and they vibrate and they yeah. make the sound. But what's happening when I do that is that only part of the chord, like part of it stays closed and the other part opens. Yeah. I don't know how I'm doing it. It looks crazy. It yeah. looks alien. I don't know how to control it. I don't know what to say about what that is. It's just a thing that I can do. I, I actually like that. I like that it um, and that you don't have full control over it because it feels uh, almost mystical. Like it, it just kind of comes, nice. it comes when it comes. It comes when it comes. And I got so lucky on that recording. Like it's actually, you can see me working it out on that recording mm. with Snarky Puppy. Yeah. I tried it the first time. I tried it the second time and it got better. And then I tried it the third time, not knowing where the changes are really going to go. Cause Corey's just going. Yeah. And then he changed it, and then I was able to change the tonality of it, which was I had never done before. That moment that you see yeah. in that video. So we got that's the that. that's the craziest part is being able to change it. It's not just like here's here's a, a cool trick. It's mm -hmm. that you can change the chord while you're. That's it's wild. Um, your musical upbringing, I know, because you went to you went to Berkeley, so there's some formal. Uh, music education there what was your um young like because you said you know when you were younger you discovered this vocal cord thing yeah. uh, from a musical perspective and, and obviously with your dad tied in there but what is what was your upbringing like musically um because then you ultimately did go to college um and i you, did you finish at berkeley i mean legally not really <laughs> I'm like six credits, six credits short or some such. I mean, yeah, mostly yes. Okay. So mostly yes. Yeah. Uh, but I walked across the stage and George Benson handed me a diploma. <laughs> mostly. Yes. Mostly. Yes. Um, so what was your, your young musical pre-college? Yeah. Uh, like my young musical life. I mean, starting out at like age three or four, I was in piano lessons. I was a student at the American Conservatory of Music in Chicago from a very young age. Yeah. 
um, playing piano. I went to a performing arts high school in Chicago called the Academy of Performing Arts. Um, you know, I grew up with a lot of music in the 70s and 80s that really informed who I am still right now. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of music on the radio that I had access to. Uh, there was a lot of rock and, and country rock and pop and soul music and R&B music and blues and gospel. And there was such a an array of music just so readily available. Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, like you could listen to the radio all day and not hear the same artist twice, you yeah. know, for a couple of days, there was just so much to hear. And all of that music informed who I am as an artist, but I've always been kind of a musician from the time I got here. Yeah. Did you, did you play something uh, do, or do you now play something other than being a vocalist? Do you have a, another I was a piano player as a yeah. kid? I played piano. That was the first kind of formal training I had. Yeah. Um, and I still play keys a little, not as much as I should. Yeah. And my mom is on me about that. Um, <laughs> My roads is out in the world getting fixed and I can't wait to get it back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I play just little tiny bits of guitar. I'm one of those people that can pick up probably any instrument and make some sort of sound on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, uh, I'm natural at music. Yes. I'm not a great instrumentalist though. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause I think you, I'm sure you're familiar with the, vocalist stereotype of like, you know, the vocalist versus musicians and vocalists not being musicians. And I think you're the exact opposite of that. I think you're a vocalist who has incredibly high musicianship, uh, which I think that is part of what sets you apart is your ability to, I don't know. It's like, you're aware of everything happening and sort of what you're saying with all the different musical influences and inspirations all woven in there. Um, I, that's not really a question. I, I I'm just, <laughs> yeah. You know what I do this thing whenever I, you know, go around and talk to, you know, students or musicians, I always ask how many singers in the room. Yeah. And you know, generally all the women will raise their hands. Mm. How many musicians in the room and all the dudes will raise their hands. And yeah. I'm trying to tell women specifically women in this era, yeah. You you have to be a musician. Yeah. You you possess like the original instrument. Yes. So you have to uh, you cannot show up and just be beautiful. You you can clearly the industry teaches us that you can. Right, right, right. But if you are searching for what is going to make you a better musician, you have to be able to understand the theory understand what's happening in the band, learn to be a good band leader, show yeah. up on time, understand how to, at least in a small way, communicate what it is you need from the band. Yes. That's really important. And so there is this kind of um, disparity between like the chick that stands in the front right. and the people that really make it happen behind the scenes. Yes. You know, and being at Berkeley, even before I got to Berkeley, but really when I got to Berkeley, I recognized that I wanted to hang out with those guys because they had records I had never heard. Yeah, They had bootlegs of things I had never heard. They were talking about things that I didn't understand and didn't know about. Yeah, And so for me to show up and sing Stormy Weather 
and then they get to stay back and play Schofield tunes or, you know, yeah. listen to Max Roach or talk about Elvin's brushes. I wanted to know all of that yeah. so that I could hang, so that I could, you know, talk about music with them and learn what they knew. Yeah. You know, and that was, that's important to me to, my musicianship is important to me. Yes, I can tell. Um, it, because it, it feels like, to use a clunky metaphor, it feels like you see the entire matrix of music and you're like, ah, oh, let me, let me grab one of these over here. Let me grab one of these over here. And then I'm going to knit this together for you. Here you go. Um, and you know what it is? It's, it's because it's coming out of my mouth. This is yeah. what all musicians are trying to do, right? Yes. The thing is that I'm communicating it with, with my, with my original instrument. Yeah. Makes it feel like something else. And it, it's really important to, um, and I try to balance this part of it, but I just, refuse to ever get punked in a session. I'd refuse mm. to ever go into a session and feel like I couldn't play. Yeah. You know, like we're doing giant steps. Okay. We're playing Cherokee. Okay. Yeah. I was, I just wanted to, I wanted to stand with those people and play music. I wanted to continue to play music. Yeah. So that's been really important. Yeah. Well, and I think too, because you're saying, you know, the voice is the original instrument and yeah, that's what we're trying to get back to. I know for me, uh, cause I'm a bass player. When I was in college, I took lessons with, uh, uh, bass player. She's also a vocalist. Um, and so one of the things that she would work on with me was ex like, cause you're saying it's, it's coming out of your mouth and it's directly connected to you was a lot of that where like, if it's a solo or if it's, you know, we're playing whatever standard. She's like, okay, what's your story on this? Like, what is your attitude towards this? How are you, how is this going to come out of you? Not just like, okay, I'm, I'm playing this scale and I'm going to combine it with this or whatever, but what is the, the feeling aspect of it? Yeah. Um, so for, how do you get your bass to sing? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And for you, it feels like as a singer, you're doing the same thing, but in reverse and you're like, okay, let's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically like horn players, guitar players, like how do I, how do I, how do I get my instrument to sound like Cannonball Adderley? Yeah. And how does Cannonball Adderley get his instrument to sound like Nancy Wilson? Yeah. And I know I'm using a lot of jazz references and there's probably a lot of names that people don't know, but these are masters in the field. Yeah. This, this is, this is, this is how we get to where we are. If yeah. you are like a musician, you start, yes. I started with the greats and learning what the greats are doing. And that includes Prince and Stevie of course, and yeah. Michael and Shaka. That includes Joni Mitchell. That includes, I mean, that includes all of those people, Yeah, but that was, that's my foundation right there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. Talking about session stuff, you obviously have uh, many albums um starting in 1990 and then your most recent you did a live album i want to say 2015 um yep. and then you have other albums in between but then you also have so many features uh yeah. on other people's work so can i name a few of them and if something yeah. if something comes up like maybe like a little speed round like if something comes okay. up you can stop me i'll how about that i'll i'll start going through and then you can go, oh, I got something on that. Okay. Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's one of my favorite collaborations I've ever done. Absolutely. Love yeah. him. They used my whole song for, for that mama song, but I'm basically on almost the whole record. Yeah. So that's me at the end of Black of the Berry. 
I'm on complexion. I'm on a lot of stuff that Thundercat is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's one of my favorite records of all time. Yes. Yeah, that's an amazing, amazing record. Um, all right. Uh, Joe Sample. I know you did an album with Joe Sample. Love, loved him. He's no longer with us. I miss him all the time. Yeah. Um, it's a great record. I mean, you know, it used to not come up as part of my catalog because it's a Joe Sample record featuring right. me, yeah. but I'm on like seven of 11 songs. So it's my record. Too. Right. That's <laughs> um, uh, more recent, uh, Jose James. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a huge Jose James fan. I, I Well, for one, I love hearing you pop up in places. So that was one that I'm listening to that record, and I'm like, wait a minute. Is that okay? And then you check the, check the credits, and then, I mean, it's f- fairly obvious as well um, that it's your voice. But, uh, yeah, Jose James, Al Jarreau, uh, yeah. another more recent uh, Moonchild. Um, mm. I love that. What's the uh, Tell Him is the song. Tell him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Love that song. Love them. Have been really listening to them. Um, I have like this thing in my house on Saturdays where I play music all day and they are in every Saturday over the last like five years at least. So um, it was so great to be listening to them and love the vibes and then meet them. And they're also awesome. And I love Amber so much and to, to, go and guest with them was so much fun. Yeah. That's, that's We're awesome. working on some music now too. So, Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I well, can't wait to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. Over multiple albums and multiple performances as well. Robert Glasper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I talked to Derek Hodge a couple months ago uh, and we talked about uh, black radio one. Cause that was one that I like, the other ones as well, but that one in particular, I wore out like crazy. So yeah. uh, specifically cherish the day. That one is like, that's, that's deep in my psyche. <laughs> Thank you. I love Thank it. You. Um, Gregory Porter as well. Oh yeah. Um, and he's another one because I said how much I love low register. Same thing mm. with his voice. And so yeah. hearing both of your voices together, just like low and comfortable and, yeah, it's soothing. like a glass of brandy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. I mean, uh, one of the guys that sings with me, Kalo King, has a good deep bass baritone like that too. And so sometimes we do that record, and uh, it's so nice because you just barely get to hear those guys. Yeah, in the world, like everybody, like the way we talk about women up high, it's men up high too. Every yeah. guy's every guy's a falsetto. Yeah. So he he also has falsetto, but that richness, you know, when we hear it, is so nice. And yeah. Gregory is like so great. Yes, amazing. A snarky puppy. Obviously, we we talked about that. Yeah. Um, Tank and the Bangas, Anderson yeah. Pack, Marcus Miller, Terrace Martin, Esperanza, uh, Frank Ocean, um, yeah. and Mary J. Blige. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to see not only like your solo stuff and your own your own music, but then hearing you pop up. I don't know. It feels like I don't know. I don't have stats on this, but it feels like you're one of the most featured vocalists for a lot of stuff. Um, that does, could be. Does that feel right? As that far as be. as far as the the level that I'm talking about, that's not like 
you know, that, that is a little bit richer music? I mean, that feels good. I'll take it. <laughs> it. It may be true. I mean, it's definitely been part of my, my whole mission. Like, you know, I used to look at Marcus Miller's, um, uh, discography or Will Lee's discography. And I would say, God, these guys have been on records forever. There's yeah. so many records they're on. And if I look at mine right now, it is starting to look like that. I mean, there mm -hmm. are records that I forget about yeah. that I'm on uh, with like Ricky Peterson, Hiram Bullock, and um, 2D Extreme, and uh, SWV, and uh, there's so many, there's so many records that I am on in some sort of way, yeah. adding my fabric to that record. So I'm really proud of that. Yeah. And the breadth of records as well. Yes. Well, it feels like kind of a continuation of what you're saying, how you wanted to be, you know, talking the, talking with the band about what they're talking about. Um, yeah but you're not you're you're on all of these records but you're featured and not like a in the background background singer because your voice is very present in it um on the Frank Ocean record I, I don't know can you hear me on that record uh a little bit it's you, there for like two seconds yeah. but yeah it's there you know yeah. Mary J Blige record did you hear about that record uh, what about it I'm I'm on the I'm on her um I actually produced a record for her in the nineties that only oh. went on the Mary Japanese version of the record called Almost Gone. Oh. And then um I was listening to I, I opened for her for a few weeks a few years ago. And right before that I was listening to her record, The Thick of It. And as I heard it, I felt like I I heard this little piece and I thought, that that sounds like me. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was me. It was a sample um, that a kid that we both happened to work with used the sample. Uh -huh. And it's me, that little duh, on the Mary J. Blige record that's also on a her record. He also used it there. Oh. So I'm on those records too. Like in ways, there are times when I hear my dad on records that you wouldn't, people may not perceive like, oh, that's a Donny Hathaway sample, but they took it and they did something to it. And I always hear it. I can always tell hmm. when I hear his hands or hear his voice. Really? Mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, You there is a, yeah, that makes sense. There's a, a for one, there's a finite amount of record, well, a finite amount of recordings out of the vault um, that yeah. you are probably more familiar with than anybody. But then also there's definitely a feeling to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's like you're um, <laughs> you're a sample spotter yourself. If you listen to it, Absolutely. you'll be able to find it. That's that's cool. What are some of your favorite samples of either either your music or your dad's music that you've heard? Hmm. Um, I love I love how they flipped um, my song on your own uh, for for Kendrick's record because that was a song given to me in a dream by my dad. Oh um, yeah, I hear my dad all the time. Let me think. Samples, or if, if I mean the ghetto is obviously sampled everywhere. Yes. What what goes through your head when you are singing either something improvised or something well rehearsed? Um, hmm. What what goes through your head when you're when you're performing? It depends on the day. Some days it's like I'm not there. 
at all. I'm just in a good way or in uh, a bad way. Um, never in a bad way. There are just some days where you know how they. What is it called when you're in the flow? Yeah, yeah. When you're in the flow, and I and uh, people spent a lot of time talking about that thing that we did on the Snarky Puppy record. But before you get to that thing, there's like four minutes of ad libs. Yeah. That are not really repeated. Yeah. So, and I generally don't sing long. If you've ever seen me live or sit in with someone, I get up, I may do 32 bars and then I'm out. And for that thing to take that amount of time um, to get to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't talk about that, but that's a lot of information that somehow is stored in my head. So sometimes I'm not re I'm present, but I'm not really there or thinking I'm in a flow state. Yeah. Yeah. Some days I'm wondering, do we get a buyout to eat dinner? Cause they didn't even <laughs> have catering. What are we going to do afterwards? Did they put jelly bellies in the room? Because I asked for jelly bellies. There are some days where there's just minutiae. Yeah, yeah. You know, or I might be in a flow state and someone puts a flash on in the first row and I'm fully out of my that state. Takes you out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it really depends. I really try to be as present as possible because it is it is the place in the world where I have the most fun, where yeah. I am most myself, where I am most um, kind of in control of what's happening. Yeah. And, uh, I really appreciate that state. Yeah. You just did a tour. Is that, is that correct? Am I getting that right? Or you, you just had a bunch of different. Yeah. Dates. We had a bunch of dates. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a formal tour, but a, a bunch of dates. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, not, there's never a time where I'm not really working. Hmm. Generally working all year. I'm gonna take a little time this year. I'm putting out a record next year. That was and my so, question. What do you have uh, coming up? Yeah, I have a record coming out. I just uh, did a deal with SRG. They're going to partner with me and help me, you know, get out there and do it. I'm excited about it. I did a lot of work over quarantine time and just have been sitting on a lot of these records. And so um, I'm excited to present again and to get back in it again. Yeah. Well, can I ask you this? What is your favorite uh, of your dad's songs that are covers? Like what's going on um so here's, here's the thing so many of my dad's records are covers yeah so many of my records are covers yeah and people sometimes come to the show and say why don't you sing your own songs like they're all my own songs yeah i yeah. did not even understand that marvin Gaye wrote what's going on until i was like 19 years old because everyone played my dad's arrangement of it i just yeah. didn't i just didn't know it yeah. just you know I think I grew up thinking that that was his song. I grew up thinking Jealous Guy was his song. So when I heard John Lennon sing it, I thought, oh, that's nice. He covered <laughs> Then I had to put it together, you know? Yeah. Um, I love Jealous Guy. I love what's going on. Um, a lot of the records in my father's repertoire, records that people know him for, are covers. Yeah. Um, and I do the same. Well, that, it sort of feels like it borrows from jazz in that aspect because who is the original of you know all of me or whatever because there's right. although uh, it's a mix in between because it, it, your father is associated with those songs for a lot of people as the 
as the yeah, primary artist. For a song for you. I think yeah. a lot of people, uh, I've, I've seen really professional people like give him credit for writing that song and he did not. Yeah. But he had a way of like stamping a thing, which I hope I fall into at some point. Yeah. Like the hope is that you create something that stands next to the thing that, that you got. You know what I mean? I, when I sing um, Love's Holiday, it clearly is not Earth, Wind & Fire. It'll never be Maurice White. Right, right. But that he told me that it was his favorite cover of that song, you know, I, it, it means the world to me. It's yeah. a love letter to him. All of those records on the Joe Sample record are covers. Yeah. Um, a lot of my whole first album, I'm Coming Back as a cover. It's Something is a Cover. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of those. And I think just to be able to reinterpret a piece of music really speaks to how great that piece of music is. Yeah. And to be still recording it's something and I'm coming back 35 years from the time they came out is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like sometimes too, it feels like a song has to arrive at the right artist, which is not the original artist. Um, mm -hmm. like, cause you've mentioned, um, earth, wind and fire. Uh, I did a video all about earth, wind and fires cover of got to get you into my life, uh, which is the Beatles. Yeah. But I argue in that video that the best version of that song is the earth, wind and fire version. Um, and <laughs> I actually, there, there's quotes from, uh, Lennon and McCartney where they're like, yeah, we were trying to do like a Motown thing on that song um and so then you know I, I take that i'm like well okay the beatles are trying to do motown well then earth wind and fire is trying to do the beatles doing motown but they're going to do earth wind and fire so if they're try if the beatles were trying to make a song in the style of the popular black music of the day they're going to have their take on it but then if you have earth wind and fire doing it that's going to you know a decade later that's going to be a different thing um, what a what a version of that record. I mean, yeah. everything they did, but that that speaks to like my childhood, that kind of record. Yeah. That presentation, the intro, Maurice's energy, the horns, that speaks to the music of my youth. Like it was a thing when yeah. you arrived on the set. You people showed up and it meant it meant a lot. It meant a whole lot. So that's the music that informed me yeah. growing up. Yeah, that's one of those ones that he hearing the original versus the cover, I, I'm so curious as to what the process was, the the arranging process to get to that because it's so, yeah, so incredible. And the song is there, but it's so different, but it feels, <laughs> again, in my opinion, correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. We've been going uh, almost almost fifty minutes now. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, oh, no, you're good. I I really appreciate you because I do a lot of interviews and some of them are dumb. <laughs> well, uh, well, I don't want to be you know I don't want this to be a dumb interview. No, um, it's, it's so fun to talk about music because a lot of times in the music industry, there's so much focus on other stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not a lot of not a lot of people that are in the music industry really truly understand music. Yes. And that that's what I I'm meaning when I'm talking about like the the level of music that has a little more depth to it. Um Yeah. 
which you are firmly in. Um, Cause yeah, there is a lot of, a lot of nonsense out there and then a lot of talking about <laughs> nonsense. So, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to promote or send people to? I'll link to anything um, you need in the, in the caption. I mean, it's basically all the same stuff as everyone. I'm considering a, a Patreon for 2024. Cause I want to be able to get to people directly. Yeah. Um, we got these dates, which are always on my website, which is LaylaHathaway.com. I have a very super famous, like underground pink room that used to exist. We started in 1997 where people would come and I would DJ for them with YouTube, or we would have like, um, you know, folks came in from all over the world to say, here's what's happening in the Netherlands. Here's what's happening. You know, it was a message board really. And I feel like we were Facebook and Twitter before there was Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And we've sort of tried to replicate it on Facebook, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that have been with me forever are still with me. And I really appreciate those folks. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about, because uh, you mentioned Patreon and I'm launching a Patreon on uh, this Friday. Um, Wonderful. That is for all of the same reasons that, that you're mentioning because you want direct access to people and the way that uh, social media is going and the algorithms and everything. It's, uh, it's bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, in the place where I discovered you, I would never discover you now on Twitter. Yes. I'm not even up. Exactly. It's, it's a dumpster fire up there. It's hideous. Yeah. The other night for the BET. No. For the Soul Train Awards, I went to Twitter to see like who's what's up. What's yeah. what's nothing. It's a ghost town. Yeah, it's because you can either the algorithm can change and then favor stuff, or the platform can completely disintegrate, like Twitter is yeah. doing. Uh, or any of those people that you build up that you talk to occasionally, like if they walk away with all that data, you can't you can't find those folks. Yeah. You can ask them, "Hey, meet me at Facebook." Right. But it's, it's everything is throttled and so bad. I'm really experimenting and kind of uh, looking into fan base, which is Isaac Hayes Jr.'s. Hmm. Um, have you seen that? I haven't. No. It's really, it looks like a really cool platform. I have to get into it more because there's so many that have happened. But, yeah. um, you know, people are monetizing things and setting up over there. There's threads, which eh, is yeah, like Twitter, but not really. I know. Um, you know, I'm on TikTok. I love it over there, but mostly just for like games of game Game of Thrones clips <laughs> that I'm seeing over there. Um, yeah. And honestly, the Patreon seems like the way just to even be able to have the dialogue. And I did that live album with Pledge Music, which was so, sort of the same type of yeah, setup. Yeah. And so, yeah, direct to consumer, I think ultimately is going to be where it's at. For me, I'm in particular everything that you're talking about with direct access to people, just getting to say, Hey, I've made a thing, go check it out. And you're not having to, yes. And you're not having to like play the algorithm game. Um, so yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's so hard. And it's like for a person like me who is generally fully clothed, you know, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's even harder. It's, I, you know, I've been watching stuff over the past few months and it's like, in terms of the music space, you're here, 
or you're here. Yeah. And this has always been the way, but the chasm is like stretching out even it, more. It totally is. Yeah. It's, it can sometimes be depressing. And I think I've, cause I've thought about, and I, I talked a little bit on in one video about AI stuff. And I think AI is going to widen that gap even further. Um, because like um, YouTube just announced, I think it was last week. It was like on Monday, they said, um, Hey, we're banning any AI generated music. Um, like if you're, if you're impersonating uh, a singer, it's, it's not allowed on YouTube, which I was like, okay, you know, I think generally that's a good thing and there's exceptions like parody or whatever, but generally I understand what they're doing and I'm, and I'm support that. But then on Wednesday they announced their new, they have like an AI generated music thing where you can add music to your video by typing a text prompt. And then you can say one of nine famous singers. So like John legend or share or whoever, and then it does like an AI voice. So it's not that they're banning it, it's that they want to be in they, charge they of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, here's a question. Where, okay, there's a place where like engineers and producers really create artists, right? Yeah. That's in the studio with auto-tune, with Melodyne, with the everything that they do. Like, where does that meet AI? Because to right. me, they're kind of what and what in a large way. Yeah. There are a lot of artists that probably wouldn't exist without the engineers that they have. Totally. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, it's an interesting balance. Like I, I tend to think of like uh, auto-tune or Melodyne as like the reverb of now. Yeah. Like there's a bit of that. Some kids sound like that naturally because that's what they grew up listening to. Yeah. And emulating, you know. Yeah. But there's a, there's a piece of like, like where – they kind of meet along the same time space continuum in right. a way. Yeah. It is interesting to hear younger singers now live, like no microphone, but it sounds like their voice is compressed. Mm -hmm. And it's because that's what they've grown up listening to. Yeah. It's a, a strange phenomenon, but yeah. Yeah. So that's good. learn what we listen to. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. To uh, to bring it home, you because you have listened to so many different genres of music, like you said, growing up. I feel like you have an ability to navigate in between wherever you want to go. And like I said, like seeing the whole matrix and just going, oh, I'll, I'll do a little of this, little of that, little of this, and then put a bow on it, and then here you go. Um, which is a skill that is uh, stands out because it's going out of out of style right now. Um, it's also because I'm a singer because, mm. you know, there's a lot of guitar guys or keyboard guys or drummers you would call for any session. Like, you know, I need, um, I need Larry Graham feel, yeah. or I need a Marcus Miller feel, or I need a Charlie Mingus feel, or I need a Bootsy feel. Mm -hmm. And guys can step in and do that and approximate that because they're musicians and they have been informed by music. They've learned music. They've listened to the masters. They've listened to the crap on the radio. They know how to approximate all of those things. I just do that with my voice. You do it with your voice, but you also, cause I don't want, uh, I want to give you full credit. You also, you're not like an AI regenerating something. You are also mm -hmm. making it your own in the way that any 
incredible musician does because that's that's exactly what it is is taking all of that and then synthesizing it and making a new thing out of it um so anyway i'm thank just you. gushing now um thank you <laughs> dr layla hathaway thank you so much for your time thank you, thank you for sharing it. your story um yeah this has been a pleasure thank you thank you very Thank you again so much to Layla Hathaway. This conversation was so much fun. And thank you for listening. Now, if you want to participate in our new This Christmas Heist, here's all you have to do. Add the song to five of your own playlists and share it to ten other people. Which version? You could do the original, you could do the new duet version, or you could do both. We can absolutely do this. We can make this song go number one. So do that and then go to patreon.com slash diggingthegreats for even more of the stuff that you love. Until then, I've been Brandon Shaw. I'll talk to you soon.